0: Stars of track and field you are. Stars of track and field you
1: are. Stars of track and field are beautiful people.
2: On the first Sunday in November, first place again belongs to Mary Keitani. She will be the 2018 TC New York City Marathon Champion, her fourth title overall. She runs alone in Central Park. She will stand again at the top of the podium. Mary Kitani. On New York's best day, she comes to the tape as New York's best for a fourth time.
1: Thank you, John Anderson of ESPN2, for that call. Welcome, everyone, to the post-New York City Marathon edition of Let's Run.com's Track Talk. I'm What's Run.com co-founder Weldon Johnson, joined by fellow co-founder Robert Johnson and crack staff writer, the peevish Jonathan Galt. Welcome, guys. Hi, Weldon. Good to be here. Good morning. I'm not sure where we begin. We've got Mary Katani, sixty six fifty eight second half, second fastest New York City marathon ever. Lisa DeCisa, 205-59, second fastest ever, plus a three-way battle that final mile on the men's side. Four American women in the top ten. Excuse me, top seven, for American men in the top ten. I mean, where should we start?
3: Personally, we should start with, with Mary Katani in the women's yeah. race. I mean, uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, the, the only other area I would go in is to talk about how bad the television coverage was. But since I didn't watch the entire race on TV in the media room, I, I can't go there. But one thing uh, John missed in his sort of call there. And um, I actually enjoyed listening to the call there. There was, there was no acknowledgement of how amazing her second half was on Sunday. I mean, midway through, after Mary had broken the field and was running alone, I think I turned next to you to John. We were trying to figure out, I'm like, my God, what is her second half split going to be? And admittedly, we're not trying to call the race, so we have time to look it up and project it. And it just kept getting faster and faster. And it, it, you know, right away, I said, John, what's the U.S. half marathon record? And John said 6725. John, you're like a human computer. Thank you. And I'm like, she's going to crush that. And she did 6658. That was phenomenal.
0: Yeah. The thing I really enjoyed was looking at her projected finish time um, with every split. And, you know, she'd reel off, you know, these 508, 509, and then down to, you know, 458. I think she even threw in a 455 in at some, which is just, you know, absolutely ridiculous for a female marathoner. And, you, you know, halfway, I was like, Oh man, this course record, like it's a perfect day for running. It's kind of a bummer. Like it's such a good field. Someone should get the course record today. And then she comes through halfway in 115.50, which is, you know, almost 232 pace. And you're just like, ah, damn, you know, damn, that's it's there it goes. And then I kept looking at the splits and I'm like, that number just kept going down. The projected finish time kept going down with every split. And I was, you know, she she could actually break the course record, and she only came 17 seconds away from it you know i think if she had made a move just like maybe a mile or two earlier uh, and obviously you know she she won by a lot so i can't really criticize much there but if she'd gone just a little earlier she could have broken the course record with by going out in like 150 inch i don't think anyone would have ever predicted
3: yeah they have a special media uh, board media media tracker board for, for us and I've, I've logged back into it so you can i can click on containing and see every split in the spreadsheet is pretty amazing um, but john you talked about the 455 i mean that was mile 17 also mile 19 was a 455 i mean when she was doing that at the time i'm actually i'm like there's no need for this it, it's like too fast i mean no you could potentially blow up i i didn't think she would since she waited so long to go but you, you look at the projected time it also has projected time so uh, 14 miles she's still in 230 pace 15 miles 16 miles 229 pace 17 miles 227 you know she doesn't even get under 25 on to 225 pace until the 30k mark then all of a sudden the 20 miles she's on 224 pace I mean but again you know every mile it's coming way down because because she was running sort of under 520 pace which is basically 220 throughout I mean in, in the second half her slowest mile was a 520 24th mile and a 519 uh, 26 mile so you know it's, it's just mind-blowing how good she was um you know the second half really you know it, not only, well, I don't think, I think one thing that's missed sort of in, in all the coverage and people trying to acknowledge how great it is, right? I mean, it's the fastest half marathon ever run in any marathon, right, John? I mean, first or second half.
0: Oh, easily. Um, Yeah. She, I mean, she went out. I mean, she's got to be pretty high up on the list for both of them because, uh, I mean, you know, Paula Radcliffe, I think she she might have closed her world record in 67 or so. And, you know, 215 is like 67, uh, 40 pace anyway. Uh, But, yeah, Katani went out in six. I think she has two records in New York that I don't see being broken anytime soon. And that is a 67-56 first half split and a 66-58 second half split. You know, that course record could go go down and be broken in subsequent years. But I I think it's going to be a long time before anyone goes out faster than Katani did in 2011 and closes faster than Katani did in 2018.
3: Which one here's the question of the day which is more likely to go <laughs> what was the first half split 60
0: 67 56 i believe 16 pace who would
3: dare to try that in new york it would never happen unless you got really slow i mean because why would people go out so slow on a you know there, is, there are significant time bonuses you know one of the predictions i, I would have been most confident in is that was that the u.s course, American record would, would, would go down. I mean, given the weather forecast, I thought for sure, Kara Gouchers, I think it's 225.54 would be destroyed because I thought, you know, everyone would go out and like, minimum, I thought the the leaders would go out and like, you know, 73 flat at the worst since it was such a good day to run, but obviously that didn't happen.
1: I mean, the run is just amazing. I didn't really realize it until sort of re-looking at it now. I mean, she did three straight miles sub five. 455, 458, 455. I mean, that's nuts. The American men would die for those miles, right? I mean, granted, some of those are down, actually downhill, but I, it's just unbelievable. And I think it, it wasn't until that third mile that she actually dropped Ramatusa of Ethiopia, who stayed with her the longest. So I don't know. I mean, it's amazing. Woman's marathoning. I guess you can't say it's at a new level considering Paula Radcliffe ran 215.25, now 15 years ago. And Katani's been a while, and this was her fourth New York win, but we saw, you know, everything that is possible with that run on Sunday.
2: So, she,
3: so we, you know, she had those two miles of 455, 455, and 459. So, that, I, you know, I did the math that averages out to 456 pace. So, basically, she ran a 5K. Those were miles 17, 18, 19, I think. So, that's 15, 19, 5,000 meter pace. How many women in that field could even run that just flat out on the track if you put them instead of having them run the race. We took them down to the local track with no wind, fifteen sub 25,000 meters. I mean, I, I think that Flanagan obviously could do it. But for the American women, I, I think only Flanagan and Huddle. I mean, maybe Desi Linden could do that.
0: She's run fifteen oh eight as her PR, but you know, I and she has been doing more speed work in this build up, so I, th- I think it's possible. But you know, if she was just training for the marathon, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know.
3: So, but you know, a phenomenal run. Anyone that tried to run with Katani obviously paid a, a, a steep price. I mean, uh, half marathon world record holder ended up dropping out. Um, but, you know, the, the American women were smart to back off that. I mean, I think they really had no choice. And in the end, you know, as Weldon said, we ended up with four American women in the top seven, three in the top, uh, you know, which, which was a, a, a good showing. I mean, as we mentioned in our, in our men's recap, I mean, there's not a lot of that many. One thing New York does is there's not a lot of just no name sort of African. So, you know, after the top five or so, I mean, I think oftentimes six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 are going to be American just because what other countries is there? There aren't that many other options, even if it's significantly slower, but you know, I, I think there's no doubt that Shailene Flanagan, the defending champion, two twenty six twenty two, 22 Molly Huddle, two twenty six forty four. I mean, th- those are some of the fastest times ever run by an American in New York, I think, number two and number three. And then Desi Linden, two twenty seven fifty one, and then Allie Kiefer uh, PR'd at 228-12. Uh, so for seventh place, I, mean, I think those were four strong showings by, by, by
1: all, all four women. I think all, all of those women really should be, should be proud in, in, of those performances. Yeah, they were in mean, good runs. I mean, Des Linden coming off the Boston, you know, her Boston victory. You see, oh, 6, 27, 51. You're sort of like, uh, you know, maybe not the best performance. Um, and then you hear Des in the post race press conference and she's like, look, you know, I ran 112 the second half. You know, that's on the New York course. That's, I'm not going to do much better than that. And it's true. I mean, her, her half PR is 110 and change. So, you know, when it goes out slow, it's really not the best sort of race for her. And, you know, even Ali Kiefer, when they started picking it up, I think right around halfway, you know, it was a little bit before they really started really going, like 14, 15, 16, um, Kiefer sort of got dropped a bit. But she had the best close of any of you know the American women the last six miles. Um and actually ran the second half faster than Des. So for her to you know PR in New York her second time after getting fifth last year and getting a lot of attention, definitely a good run. Um. So it was a, just a great day all around in the women's race and the men's race.
3: Yeah, I thought Kiefer was fantastic. I mean, I, I think she got more, maybe more, a lot of publicity coming into the race after her fifth place showing last year. Coach Hudson, Brad Hudson, said he thought she could run between two twenty six and, and twenty eight, and you know, I, I think certainly she, she proved that he was right on the money when he made that prediction. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I think she could have run two twenty six if she had a, a faster first half at 12 and. and really strong second half it was a good showing there. Um, should we talk a little bit about the men's race
1: before we sort of do like true false and stuff like that? Or do we, should we, should we stick with the women? Yeah, I think let's turn to the men's race and then we'll sort of go to true false, maybe threat of the week. We might have an audio clip of the week. Um, yeah, the rent men's race, you know, we, we got the, the competition that you want, the th- three-way battle, um, you know, to the line, essentially. I mean, it was only Two at two at the very end, but I don't know. I, it was tremendous. I thought t- and t- free, totally free. amazing. I, I, my only regret is most of it seemed to be missed. Uh,
3: you know, again, we're in the media room, but the, they were showing the ESPNP <laughs> for most of the time. I don't think that the viewers got to see what a special race that was. To have, I mean, everyone was focused on Cam Moore. He looked so smooth. He was pushing the pace. It looked like it was going to be his day. He was he was battling with. Um, you Know Decisa, and then all of a sudden Decisa breaks camera and looks to be set on his way. But you know, then Katata, who had done all the work, I mean, early in the race, I'm like, why is he leading this? What is the point? Don't they watch these marathons? You're supposed to save energy, save energy, save energy, save energy, and then make a move for the win. Yet he's pushing the pace at 10k. I mean, it, it, you know, and then to see him, he was 11 seconds down at mile 23 or 24. He comes back, and I'm like, John, he's gonna catch him. And he got within two seconds, but Decisa really wanted that win. Um and now is a Boston and New York champion. I mean, a three way battle in the final mile. It really doesn't get any better than that. You don't see people come back from the dead. But when you saw Katata, when I saw Katata coming back from the dead, I'm like, of course he's going to catch him. There's no way that deceased is able to respond. I mean, he he thought he broke Kenmore and he did break Camor, but he did respond. And I just feel like, I mean, you got a little bit of that on, of that on television, but but not nearly as much as you should and my number one pet peeve I, i'm gonna say it in every podcast until i do something about it is they've got to start these races so that one finishes when the other race is at about halfway i mean you really miss you you don't, you don't they're jumping back and forth you don't really get into the into the mood of the race you're not getting mile by mile splits you're you're not getting anything and also another thing that's totally missed is the the battle for top american honors you know the jared ward and these guys were all running. Chris, Derrick, they, they were running together the entire second half until late. So that would have been a nice thing. And if you, if you if you if you have these races finished significantly apart in time, you can have a secondary camera crew that goes back and follows the top American. So you don't have you know you don't only need would only really need two camera crews: one to follow the leaders, one to follow the top Americans. Whereas when you have these other races finishing so close together, that they're needing like three or four camera crews because they got to. Do the top men, top women, you know, et cetera. So it would make it easier for my production value. It would make it way better for the viewing public. And it's really, really annoying as hell for me. I mean, I'm going to probably turn on watch ESPN and go back and watch the actual race every year. I say, I'm going to volunteer my services. I mean, I've done some broadcasting for the Ivy league network shit, you know, pay me a couple grand. And also the stats again, you know, what are we missing at the end of the race? We're missing the acknowledgement of how special that second half was even in the men's race. At halfway, there was five men on sub two hundred eight pace. There's only been five men to ever break two hundred eight in New York. So at halfway, there should have been talk about how historically fast this men's race was going to be. And I never really heard anything about that. Um, you know, again, I wasn't totally focused on all the audio of the broadcast. But um, in the end, it ended up being phenomenal—a um, a really special finish. Um and, and all three of those men, you know, running the second, third, and fourth fastest times in, in history in New York.
1: I and mean, yeah, I don't, Robert might turn into that cranky old guy soon. Um, like famed Olympic writer Phil Hirsch, who said he he was going to stop covering the American men in the marathon because they weren't any good. <laughs> I was like, I think you would only cover Kanuchi, and that was it. Sorry, Phil. If, um, mistaking exactly what you said, but you know, Robert harping on the TV coverage they definitely need to ra- start the races i think further apart you know if one race finishes and then if you're even at mile 20 of the other one there's just a little more time to see both races and what happens um you know now they're finishing the, the men are like probably what like mile 24 or something 25 even I, I, I don't know exactly what what the difference was when they finished and then they're trying to do wheelchairs as well um and which they sort of just pay whips They definitely didn't show the wheelchair finished live, but then they go to the wheelchair, then they interrupt everything and go to the wheelchair interview um, live, which ended up being a disaster. So they could do room for for improvement, but I sort of feel like, you know, definitely picture in picture for interviews while races are going on. But it would be great if I think if the race directors would go back and watch the entire race. But there also is a two and a half hour highlight show on ABC. Kudos to ESPN and the Roadrunners and everything pushing for that because I guarantee you that's the most watched marathon in America this year. And so like, if you're just some kid anywhere, what are you going to see? Maybe you're watching live on ESPN too, which is great. It's more coverage than any other race has. I mean, NBCSN has Chicago Marathon. But to get the highlight show on one of the big three networks afterwards, that's what most people in America saw. So, so there's know, a tape like show? A,
3: well, good for ki- them. I, I didn't know about that.
1: Yeah. Kid growing up in Texas. That's probably what I watched was tape show of Alberto Salazar. Maybe it was live. Who knows? I don't remember. Well, guys, I have
3: a medical appointment soon in about 10 minutes. I actually have been Googling the let's run boards or something that, that people talk about on there regularly that I'm experiencing. So um, hopefully I'm hopefully I'm not dying of cancer. Guys said it was extremely unlikely that I have cancer. So, um, before I go, I, I wanted to do a couple, get it, to a, a few an things, son, not things and whatnot. Um, you know, we, we, you talked about the American men. Um, Well, then, you know, four men in the top seven. But there's been debate. I mean, in, in our week that was recap, which I'll, I'll confess, I I wrote most of that. Um, You know, I wasn't all that impressed by the American men. I mean, zero is the number of American men that finished within 1.2 miles of men's champion, de DeCisa. Jared Ward was at the 25-mile mark in 206.18. That's 20 seconds after DeCisa finished the race. So he, f- Ward... Who I I I was really thrilled to see Jared come back. I mean, he was sixth in the Olympics two years ago. Been basically out with injuries since then. Comes back and gets sixth again. That's fantastic for him. But this was a guy that we found out after the race was going to drop out, not even show up six weeks ago. So he should not be the top American in sixth place. Um, You know, more than six minutes behind the winner when you know in the Olympics when he was sixth, he was only two forty six behind Eliud Kipchoge. So only one American, Scott Fobble, ran faster than Merrick attaining the second half of the race. So the four of the top seven sounds good, but, you know, of the top 10, excuse me, but, you know, I mean, New York doesn't bring in more than five or six African people. So a couple of them are going to finish on the podium. A couple of them are going to drop out. And then after that, basically, you've got to have somebody finish 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th. And to me, on a perfectly, I mean, an amazing weather day, You know, 212 for the top American time is not really all that encouraging. I mean, look at last year, 212.48 for a 40 year old Abdi Abdurrahman. The year before, it was 211.23. The year before that, uh, I mean, Shadar Bieber also ran 212.01 in 2016. So, you know, you're normally getting 212 as a top American on bad weather days. So for
0: 212 on a perfect day, to me, is not impressive. Yeah, I'm kind of in that boat as well, Robert. You know, I I think. Like you said, Jared Ward. I I think that's the story here. Is like Jared Ward is, if he's not, I think I think you can say he's back. You know, that's always the thing on Let's Run is Jared Ward back, and I would say yes because you know he he ran. Remember, he ran. He was nursing an injury when he ran his build up to the Olympics, and he still finished sixth there. And then it really threw him off for the next two. He wasn't totally healthy in this build up. I mean, if this guy just stays healthy, I really do think he's. He could move to a tier, you know, in championship-style marathons. That's that's above, you know, the rest of the Americans except for Galen Rupp. And I think, like you said, the fact that he's second here—sorry, he's the first American here in two twelve. Yeah, I think some of these other guys might have wanted to run a little faster or, or to have at least beaten him.
3: Now, well, yeah. do we have access um,
1: to the audio from Mister Fauble? I'm gonna find that. I'm pulling that up as we speak. But so you know, sort of as we got. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, Scott Fauble, right? 212.35 last year in Frankfurt, 212.28 in New York. That's definitely improvement. Yeah. So if you're him, I can see why you're pleased. You know, Rome wasn't built in the day and each guy's got to keep going out there. But from a big perspective, you know, we're at 201's now. We got guys running 205's in New York and the top Americans still seem to be, no matter what, you know, with the exceptions of the MEB, um, the MEBs of the world pretty much in the, Galen reps, Maybe I'm missing someone. Abdi. Did Abdi go sub-210 ever in New York? Um, no. And that wasn't in New York, right? Um, we're in the 211-212 range. So... Yeah, I, I mean, know. you
3: know, New York, if you consider it, what, 90 seconds, two minutes slower than a than a flat course at least, Middle East, probably. Um, you know, I, I thought F- Spable ran good. I enjoyed talking to him after the race. Of, of all the people I talked to in the, sort of the mix zone, like Jared Ward was sort of being supported by his wife. He could barely walk. Um, Legat was ham- ham- hampered with a calf injury and a groin and, and a thigh injury. Um, these guys, you know, they, they look, you know, like you do, like the average person does when they finish a marathon, like in a lot of hurt. Whereas, Fobble to me looked amazing, I and mean, he—I think he's really built for the marathon. Um, I, I definitely, you know, think that it, you know right now. I, I think that he's a contender for that that Olympic spot. I mean, you know, assuming Galen Rupp comes back, assuming that there's no doping suspensions for the Nike Oregon Project, um, and, and Rupp is there. I mean, Rupp is a lock for that team. I mean, he could train for two months and make that team. So that's one. Ward, I mean, assuming he's healthy now, you we getting that dig in
1: there, don't you, Robert?
3: Well, we, um, we just, well, there's an ongoing investigation. I'm not making things up. Um, you know, I mean, I yes, it was a little bit of a dig. I apologize, I apologize Galen. I apologize. So, um, you know, I, I think Ward at this point, um, somebody like Ritz or somebody could come back to form. It's hard to imagine if Ward's on his game that he doesn't make the team, and unless you're getting some sort of new Americans like a Edward Cheserek, which I don't think he'd be doing the marathon trials anyways. So yeah. there would sort of be a, th- a third spot. Um, you know, and Shadrack B. Watt who was up there could do it. Uh, Fable, you know, guys like that. I mean, B. Watt, you know, ran a much more aggressive race. He, he was going out harder than Fable. So it'd be interesting, you know, In the trials they would play at KG, you know, I, I think their performances were pretty similar here. So, it, you know, that, that'll be interesting, but these guys, you know, well, do you have the audio or not? Should I just read it out loud?
1: I've got it. Um, sort of leads us to make audio clip of the clip of the week. Uh, when I read the quote, this actually sort of made, it riled me up, but I'm listening to it. I'm totally fine with it. So kids, uh, you know, there's context with everything. All right, here we go. Scott Fobel, um talking to Jonathan Galt after the race.
2: If anything I wish America. I was the top American. So, uh, All roads lead to New York City. Congratulations. No, I knew I, Parker, I know I'm good. I'm aware of that you fact. Proud uh, I think Harold Parker being what the seventh overall the validated how good I know that, that I am. Um, more than being second American. Benning. You know, I mean, we were seventh in a really you know, good, airline good airline field, not just Bradley American but internationally. internationally so, yeah, I'm very happy with um, like I finished overall, more than. Love
1: it. the okay, there we have it. Um, so the part where he said, you know, I know I'm really good, and I'm just like, you know, you're at 212. There's guys running 205s. Um, but when you hear the con- quote in context, you know, John essentially was asking him, were you surprised? where you finished? That sort of stuff. And he's like, no, I know I'm good. And I feel like that's the right mindset you need to have. I mean, this guy, he's sort of like, I don't know, John, you did a nice profile on him. He's like the let's run poster child of where your dreams become reality. I think he was a 28, 40 or 50 guy in college and now he's seventh in New York City Marathon. And also so you hear him talking about I don't want to be the first American. I'm seventh overall. You know, I'm competing w- with a, v- a very top field. Um I guess Robert's I think your counter argument would be, "Hey, what a seventh overall really mean in right. the field?" Like I mean,
3: I, I, I actually I, I love talking to him. I'm glad that I think he is a great story. He's gone from 2040 to 28 flat. He's clearly made for the marathon. I think he's an Olympic contender. I love the Hoka NAZ elite team. I think it's great to have sort of an underdog team. And Ben Rosario is doing a great job with those guys and, and, and everything. But, you know, and he's a way better marathon than ever I was or Weldon was. I mean, let's don't, I'm not saying that. He's very good for an American. And, you know, seventh overall, yes, in a great international field, but the field's really only five or six deep. If New York, and, and New York is brilliant to do this from a marketing standpoint because you want the Americas, you want the plus the publicity for that. I mean, you know, to have all these Americans. But if New York spent, you know, and we had the appearance fears article, I don't know, John, how much were people estimating that someone like Fable would get for a race like this just to show up? Was it like I think twenty
0: four thousand, twenty five thousand almost yeah. on so the thread?
3: Can you imagine the number of Kenyans that would show up for twenty five thousand in New York? I mean the um the uh one of which, which which Kenyan was it? He ran the Lagos Nigeria marathon and won it and changed his life with fifty grand for first to win it. So I mean, you could get a, a thousand, not a thousand, because there aren't a thousand of them. But I don't know how many two hundred eight Kenyans are there. I bet every single one of them would show up for twenty five thousand dollars in New York. Um, well, maybe they could get more somewhere else by winning the race. So, but you could have a ton. You know, two hundred nine, two hundred ten. Let's let's yeah, I'll drop down to that one. How many Kenyans do you think you could get to run 210 in New York for $25,000? I, I think it's certainly over 100. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I just think everything needs to be in context. But, gentlemen, I'm running out to the doctor. Please get to my true or false. I'm going to put them out here now so that the viewers can hold you to coming to them. Jeffrey Camore's race this year was his worst race last year when he won was his worst race ever in New York. Molly Huddle is now the favorite to win the Olympic trials. Jerry Ward is back. We've already done that. Yes, he's back. Um, could a U.S. woman have beaten Katani if, she, if they started fresh at the 20-mile mark? And Barrett Nard Marathon debut was, was it a, was a success and was the New York Marathon's time headline racist.
1: All right, guys. Have fun. I'll talk to you. Thank you, Robert.
0: Yeah, well, do you want to head into those true falses then, or what?
1: I think we should just head right into the true falses. Um, all right, first one. Jeffrey Camor's worst race was of his, I guess, three New Yorks was last year when he w- actually won the race.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I'm kind of going true. I mean, the, the point of the race is to win, obviously, but not all marathons are created equal. You know, if you win, you know, a race, maybe like Boston in an Olympic year, not all the top guys are going to be running, you know, or if you're the top American in Boston in an Olympic year, not all the top guys are going to be running that race because they're focusing on other things. And sometimes the fields are different. The conditions are different. It's very, you know, all these things, there's a lot of variables. But I think if you just look at the splits that Rob, and the other thing is today was Sunday was a perfect day for running, right? So he ran four minutes faster than in 2015 or when he was second or 2017 when he was first. But it was also much better conditions. But that that said, I I do think if you look at the splits, I mean, his half marathon in compared 2015 and 2017 when he was second in 2015 and first in 2017 his first half 6649 in 2015 6609 in 2017 so slightly faster in 2017 but then his second half was significantly faster in 2015 6359 to 6444 and then his, his 20 miles to the finish which is about 10k was also faster in 2015 by a significant margin it was 2849 Thirty seventeen, and his finishing time was faster in twenty fifteen by five seconds to to two ten, 10 fifty three. So I think he, I mean, he lost to a guy Stanley B Watt, who would go on to run two oh three. You know, the second fastest time ever in London. Uh, a few months later. So, I, you know, I think 20, 7, 2017, he wasn't as good as he was in twenty fifteen, and then in twenty eighteen, he ran way way faster. He closed a lot faster. Um, twenty nine twenty nine for his last ten k ish to thirty seventeen. His second half, he ran 62-27. I mean, most years, you run 62-27 for your second half in New York City Marathon, you're winning that race by a minute. And he ended up getting third, but he ran a time that would have won every other New York City Marathon apart from 2011. So, to me, I do think, yeah, I mean, obviously, winning again, winning is the point of the sport. So, would you say, which one would he, if he could only take one of those races in his career, he would take 2017 when he won. But, I do think if you compare the performances to the other two years, it was the least impressive performance of the three.
1: Yeah. These stats are in our week. That was article on let's run.com. If you want to look at them. Um, so I just, you know, I got caught up when you're talking, I'm looking at the three years. There's the first half split, the second half split, the split to the finish. And I'm kind of like, no, this, I kind of changed the question in my mind. And I'm like, no, this, this year, 2018, where he closed in twenty nine twenty nine, but ran two Oh six. I'm like, after going out faster, that's better than 2015 when he closed in 28.49. So about, what, uh, 40 seconds faster. But went out much slower and ran 210.48. You know, I was like, he didn't win either year. I'm like, you know, this this one's better than 2015. But I wasn't even looking at 2017 as the best. So I think the answer to the question is true. You know, which one am I taking him <laughs> in? I'm taking 2017 every single time. Yeah. So I think that's just the beauty of the competition, right? Like if you're the guy winning the race, you necessarily don't want to, you don't have to necessarily run your best ever. Um, I never really thought about running like this way, but sort of except for the winner in a lot of races. I mean, a lot of guys are out there just time trialing, right? Like if you're the age grouper, what are you really trying to do? You're trying to run your fastest time. It's a completely different thing. If you're trying to win the race, you're trying to win the race. Yeah. I mean, there's some strategy involved, whatever, but like, Pretty much else, everyone else, once the gun goes out, what's their objective? Get to the finish as fast as possible. Um, sure, there's a little strategy maybe involved, but it's different than your mindset. It really is different than when the guy trying to win the race. And I think that's maybe why a lot of the Let's Run guys, you know, they love the guys who push it from the front, grinding it out the whole way because if you're not up front in the pack, that should be what you're trying to do if you're trying to run as fast as possible.
0: So let's move on to... uh True, false, number two. Molly Huddle is now the favorite to win the Olympic marathon trials, which will be contested leap year day, February 29th, 2020. Um, well, then. true or false? It's
1: definitely true. Definitely. Um, Like her, Gwen Jorgensen, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. I, mean, I think
1: She's I- the favorite for the Olympics. Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Gwen. I actually love Gwen's story, but sort of, it's kind of funny, right? Gwen's aiming for Olympic gold. and I, You know, I got to get her on the team first. Um, so you know, right now let's see, we you have the big three in Sunday's race: Molly, Shalane, and Dez. Shalane and Dez have obviously won two of the biggest marathons ever. Um, Shalane may not be there, so that's why I'm discounting her. Right now, I would put Shalane ahead of Molly, but they're actually yeah, similar.
0: That race, I really, I really don't think she's going to run the trials. I think it's. Yeah, I don't think so either. She now, or she runs Boston next year and retires. I don't see her sticking it out for another year and a half.
1: Right. So that to me, but sort of by default makes Molly the number one. Jordan Hesse is the, what? So my gosh, second fastest American ever in the marathon she's made for the marathon, but she's been hurt now for a year. So I knock her back. Will she even be on the starting line? Um, Dez is Dez. She's amazingly good, but I always was ranking Shalane ahead of Dez, even though Dez won the New York city marathon, almost won it in 2011. Her top end isn't as good. So I don't know. I, well, sometimes you sort of rank on potential and Molly's top end speed is better. She won this race here. I mean, she beat Dez in this race. So I think it's definitely true. And I think after those four, it's a big drop off.
0: Yeah, I agree. agree. Um, you know, you look at, you just look at the results on Sunday. I mean, the, that's, maybe it's a little different because you've got Katani blowing it wide open. There's not going to be someone like her in the trials, but you know, Molly Huddle ran two twenty six forty four. Des Linden ran two twenty seven fifty one. She so she ran a minute seven seconds faster than her in a championship style race on a tough course. Um, Des Linden is older than Molly Huddle by a couple of years, I believe. So, you know, I'm not saying she's going to fade off by uh, twenty twenty because as we just saw, Mary Katani won the New York City Marathon at at age thirty six, and she's as good as she ever was. I think the marathon you can stay relevant into your late thirties, but. Yeah, Des, I mean, maybe we'll see when we get to the trials, but I think the last like last time I was like who's who do I feel most confident is going to make the team. Actually, that's not true because there was four women in contention, but I think Des you already know, always know what you're going to you're going to get. Like if she gets into a very good shape, I think her chance to make the team is very good because her blow up blow up potential is the smallest of everyone in the field. But yeah, Huddle, I think with what she's done on the track and the half marathon, with what she did here, you know, apparently she was in monster shape before Boston, never really got a chance to show it. I, I think she has to be uh, the favorite. And, you know, if I was picking behind her, I'd probably go. Oh, well, we didn't mention Amy Craig either, who's actually the defending champion. So, you know, may, maybe if Amy runs really well won,
1: I apologize.
0: She, she medaled at Worlds and in 2017. She ran 221 in Tokyo this year, which is, you know, the fastest time by an American in 2018. So actually, you know, you can make a good case. Amy Craig is the defending Trials champion should be the favorite. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't know. I I'd probably go huddle just but again, because she's a little younger than Craig, but uh, that, that could be a very good battle.
1: Yeah. My apologies to uh, Amy Craig, her husband, Alistair's I'll give him some credit for this podcast even taking place. I saw him in New York and he said that uh, he and Amy listened to a lot of um, true detectives type sort of podcasts and they want more podcasts from Let's run. Um, and they want, feedback you know from like people calling in giving more audio that sort of stuff um and then i forget his wife uh as being one of the top four so we'll make that now a a top five i would say who are sort of you know a step or two ahead of everybody else but that's not saying someone else could sneak in and make that team um all right let's let's move on true or false john bernard lugat's marathon debut was a success
0: false I mean, he he was talking about Meb's debut record. Sorry, Meb's master's record, right? Two twelve twenty one. He didn't come close to that, and he struggled the second half. I mean, look, I, I get that this is a high standard to hold. You know, a forty three year old fifteen hundred runner to that he ran two seventeen twenty in the New York City Marathon. Like, if if he had gone, you know, I guess if you look at that in a vacuum, you're like, wow, the fact that he ran two seventeen at age forty three. That's that's pretty solid but the way you know he's been relevant the way he's been running on the track sorry on the roads this year uh he's run 62 uh flat for the half he's run he won the us 10k road championships i mean i think Lagarde was pro- he was realistic you know he didn't really know how he would adapt and i think he he has a good attitude and that he finished it wasn't like a total disaster that he just totally bonked and he you know dropped out but Two seventeen twenty. that's not close to what he that's five minutes off of what he was shooting for i don't think you can say it was a success
1: i totally agree Th- definitely not a success i mean it's, it's not terrible i thought he might die much worse than that um if he fell apart i figured he either really held, holds it together and somehow he's so efficient comes close to the record he maybe just completely craters so 217 first marathon ever um at his age it's pretty amazing. I mean, you shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say at his age, he did win the U S 10 K road championships this year, but success. No, it's like, you know, whatever. If he keeps running those, you know, that appearance fee sort of, you know, goes away. I think the question for him is what marathon does he do and do in the spring? Um, I was talking to James Templeton, his agent. And, you know, I think essentially he's, he's like Bernard likes big events, big stages. But, you know, going to London, that doesn't seem to be up in his alley. So maybe New York, maybe Boston. I don't know. I feel like that course isn't suited for him. But I don't know. There aren't really, there isn't a second, maybe in LA or something. But there really isn't a second tier marathon in the US that could get him. But maybe it could be done the right way.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, he's he's just in a tough spot. I mean, he's, and is he even like, going to keep going to the trials? I mean, I think he, say, he said he would decide, but. You know, but I think if his next marathon doesn't go well, that could be it. You know, I, I just don't think it's hard. Marathon training is a grind and I get that he's not doing quite as much as the typical guy, but you know, it takes a lot out of you. I think it's a big commitment to continue doing marathon training when you know, you're not seeing the results. So his, I think his next marathon result will be telling. Uh, let's move on to our next true false. The New York times headline was racist and by that headline we're referring to uh the one that appeared in the marathon section of the new york times uh on the monday following the marathon and i w- you know we noticed this i think nick Sicardi had a tweet uh on the section and the headline reads winner leaves the pack out of the picture and the problem i had with that was you know it should have just said katani leaves the pack out of the picture i i don't think it's racist i think that's false um I think we had a thread on it discussing whether it was white racist. And I think, you know, people had some good points. You know, there are a few garbage posts in there, but generally I think it was a decent, you know, discussion where people, you know, some people argue it was racist because of so-and-so because, you know, this might not have happened. If Flanagan had done it, then they would have said Flanagan leaves the pack out of the picture. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, I think you had a good point in there. Well, naturally like just because some people might have an unconscious bias or, do something unintentionally that doesn't necessarily make them racist i don't think the new york times was intentionally saying oh let's leave her name out of here because she's you know kenyan but i do think it was an oversight you know we, we looked at the ye- previous year's marathon headline when when uh, flanagan won it didn't have her you know her name either i think it said first time in her lifetime um but my my big argument is what would have been different how would the headline have changed if you include her name? You know, it's very easy to say Katani leaves the pack out of the picture saying first time in Flanagan's lifetime. That sounds awkward, but I just don't see a good reason for Mary Katani's name not to be in this headline. Winner leaves the pack out of the picture.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Um, I can't, you know, there's no proof it's racist and sort of, I'm sort of glad Robert started this thread. Uh, This kind of maybe is a controversial opinion. Um, but I don't know. We throw out the term racist. Obviously we want less racist in the world, but we sort of, now we just throw out the term race. You're racist. And there's no debate about anything, but sort of if we're not looking at sort of what biases we have unconscious or not. You know, I think it's maybe good to have this discussion. If that was Paula Radcliffe, I think you get it. I think you do get a different headline. No. Is that necessarily because she's white versus one's black or one's just British with better English and a more, more, bigger household name you know you can't prove anything you know and also sort of just i don't like the top the discussion in america now we just throw this thing out and there's no more discussion i mean this is going to sound crazy right but like obj and abraham lincoln they were both racist. i mean they did like but they did tremendous things for race relations in america and you know black people in america and slaves in america like so like we just you know you just throw something out and then there's no discussion but sort of hey essentially like and 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 you know times has a lot of articles and it's like is so and so racist probably most likely our president and maybe we should have those discussions but a lot of times it's just thrown out there instead of like hey what does this headline mean what does this policy mean you know let's move beyond sort of just throwing out it's now like a slur to people and sort of, I think in this way, is it, I think it's always been a slur. It's a different discussion. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a slur, but sort of, I feel like now it's meant to just shut down debate instead of like actually discussing issues. And I think we don't get anywhere as a country or whatever, or sort of, and sort of looking at our hidden biases without having a more nuanced discussion. Um, you know, because the person could have that headline. You could say it's racist, and that doesn't mean they're a terrible person in my book. You know, maybe some people are like, "Oh my gosh, everyone has to be with the same name, and you have to say Katani if you say Radcliffe or whatever." So, um, I I, I, th- I thought the I was shocked at how much attention the the thread got, but um, I think it's good for for us all to sort of look at what biases we may have, and we at let's run. You know, we definitely favor the American runners, but a problem with our sport is like a lot of the runners from East Africa presented as nameless Kenyans who, who win races. And some of that's because like, there's people who are flashing the pants. They're here six months here a year and gone, but for the sport to grow, people need to know who Mary Katani is. She's an amazing woman, an amazing athlete. Um, and what she did the second half of that race was just tremendously outstanding. This is her fourth time to win New York. So as a kid, you know, Greta Weitz was winning New York every single time and people knew who she was. It was like the center of attention on the broadcast. And now Mary Katani's just the faceless winner, uh, at least on this headline. You know, below the headline, it had her name. So just an interesting discussion, I feel like.
0: Yeah, I mean, how, how many... Uh, here's a question. We were heading... The day after the marathon, we went to the media center. We were trying to go to some New York Roadrunners event. Ended up, we were in the wrong place. But what I thought was interesting, there were a lot of people you know, maybe 100, 150 lined up in the rain uh, in ponchos to get their medals in grade, their finishing medals. And what we didn't have the time to do, but what I really wanted to do was ask them, I mean, how many of them do you think could tell you who Mary Katani was? I I mean, I got to say, I would guess under 10% of those people would know who she is. Wow,
1: 10. Um, Yeah, let's run that combination. John and I, were going to do sort of the man in the street interview. If the rain we were debating and the rain was coming down pretty good, but then we realized we were at the wrong location and we rushed over to the police precinct in the middle of the park. If you're ever looking, if you're ever in central park and you want to look for something cool, look for the police precinct. I think it's on 86 or 87th street. It's in the middle of the park. It's the nicest police station I've ever seen. It's an old civil war stables. They said, and they've now glassed it over in the middle to make combine like the stables and provide more space. It's beautiful. Um, pretty cool. So check that out. But yeah, we'll have to do that. You know, I was a little afraid of of doing the man in the street interviews, asking them, you know, how many, like, do you know who won the race? That sort of stuff. Because if everybody says no, <laughs> um, I'm worried that New York wouldn't put as much money into it's assembling such a great field and appearance fees, and that's what the sport needs. But also, as you said, I think, and the race realizes this. That's what inspires the kid at home kid back home. That's what gets the race on ABC, the highlight show later. You need the best of the best. And New York has that. There was a period in the early 2000s I think they didn't have that. And now, you know, New York is back. They have wonderful races, great fields, great storylines. So um, and, you know, I think you're selling short. I think it's definitely more than temperate,
0: But I hope, but I yeah, I don't know. I don't know many people in my life who know Merrick Tiny. I guess I don't know that many marathoners in my regular life, but yeah i i know i hope
1: yeah good point um so i guess that's the last true false on the list um uh, there is one little stat 10 bit here um now eight men have won new york city and boston in their careers bill rogers alberto salazar um ibrahim hussein of kenya joseph chibet of kenya Roger ropp of kenya jeffrey mutai of kenya and meb Kafleski. um and so that makes, that means Lulisa DeCisa is the first non-American or Kenyan to have won New York and Boston.
0: Yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive stuff. I mean, they're two, they're, they're two somewhat similar races, I would say. I mean, they're not, obviously they have the differences, but they're both tough courses. They're both Boston. You know, I think a lot of people who run New York will like to run Boston as well. So, um, they're the two crown jewels of the American marathon scene. So for, to win both of them. Uh, it takes something special. And I think all the guys on that list are special runners.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, I can't, I mean, f- for American distance running fans, there's nothing better than winning Boston and New York. Um, I, I also want to give a quick shout out to what, who I'm calling the blue collar runner of the week. People might object to the New York Roadrunner CEO, Michael uh, Caporaso being called a blue collar runner. Cause he is the CEO of a corporation, but he's, let me get this right, 56 years old. This was his 27th straight New York City Marathon, and he ran a PR. Like, clearly the guy wasn't training early in his ra- earlier in his career properly, but like, I don't know, I'm now 45 years of old age. I did train properly when I was younger, but even if I didn't, I just can't imagine 11 years from now running a PR. Like, unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm very impressed by that stat. And again, I was like, wait, what was he doing when he was in his... 20s or 30s but now that he's taken up running seriously and he's still running prs yeah uh very very good stuff mike
1: yeah people in let's run are sort of picking apart in his 30s he ran a closer time when he hit 40 he actually ran his previous pr until last year then he joins the roadrunners in 2011 and they're like look that's when he started evaluating his career because that's when he first started training and so in 2011 at pretty much what age 50 that's when he's His times got got all of a sudden much faster, but for him to PR this year, I think one, it shows the good conditions. He beat his time from last year. Um, So his run last year actually might've been a little bit better because the weather was perfect on Sunday. I'm a New Yorker now living in the city. It's the best running weather I've seen all all fall. Um, Even today it's nice and sunny, but there's a little wind. Um, Sunday was just so good. And we also have, John, I don't know if we should just like tell people to go look at this thread, or if you actually want to discuss it, you can decide. We can just sort of sign off and say, everybody, take out the take a look at this thread. But I'm calling it the thread of the week. The it's called 2018 New York City Marathon appearance fees, total of two million dollars, and it's from an anonymous poster. We have no idea if this is accurate, but it's very detailed. Like it says, a million twenty-five thousand dollars appearance fees on the woman's side, a million forty thousand on the that was on the men, a million forty on the women's side. Uh, um, It's just amazing, you know, because somebody's sort of going into like great detail. Like you got Jeffrey. Screw this, John. We're discussing this quickly. Everybody else, if you don't want to hear this thread, we've probably got about a five-minute discussion on this thread. Feel free to leave us. This is going to be the final thing we're talking about. But I think it's very interesting. Even though I have no idea if the thread is accurate, actually, I don't think it is, but sort of the ballpark estimates are so detailed, it makes me think somehow this guy might have something. Um, but let's start at the top. You got Jeffrey Kim Moore getting $300,000. Um, Shura Katata, that's, that's getting, I mean, $300,000. $340,000. Uh, wait, actually, then showing Flanagan was $200,000. Mary Katani, $180,000. Vivian Chariot, $140,000. And Dez Linden, a hundred thousand. So that's your athletes over a hundred thousand. So let's just stop there. What do you think of the big picture? Sort of those athletes getting over a hundred thousand dollars.
0: I yeah, like I said, Camoros doesn't really. I mean, three hundred thousand for him. Like Shalane Flanagan is the defending champion. She's American. I'm sure she's better known in the U S. And like, you know, will bring more value uh, on her. You know, invest. She'll bring more return on the investment. Than Cam Ward will uh, just so she should be getting more than him, I would say. But for three hundred thousand for Cam Worrall, I mean, I get that he's a he's one of my favorite runners to watch. I, I think he's he's awesome. But how many Americans know who he is? And I guess it's not all about that. Like part of it is you know you earn these amounts. But to me, Flanagan should be making more. um Katani one hundred eighty thousand. That that makes sense. Vivian Cherry one hundred forty thousand. Yeah, that's you know that's about right. Sure, Katata one hundred forty thousand. I mean. Yeah, he's very... I mean, the rest of them don't seem that far off. Maybe Catardo makes a little less than 140000 He's also not that well-known, but, you know, K- Camorra at 300000 was the one that really stood out to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I figured Flanagan would have had the most. She did s- decide to run the race very late in July, so maybe there wasn't as much money available. And Or this is just wrong, which I'm heading towards. And Rachel Bachman of the Wall Street Journal, she had an article this week... Um, before the race, now starring on a marathon podium, American Woman was the title of that article, and there's a quote from there saying that, quote, Lyndon and Flanagan earned the highest appearance fees paid for competing in the race and attending promotional events of anyone in this New York City Marathon, men or women, according to someone familiar with the situation. So that makes sense to me. Now maybe, you know, like Flanagan, and you could say like, Cam no one really cares if he shows up and does any promotional events, and Flanagan and Lyndon had stuff tied into coming in and doing some other appearances beforehand. But I I think for sure that Flanagan got the most money to run that race. Um, And then, but, you know, that's the thing with the sport. These things are private and nobody really knows. But this thing is so detailed on there. You know, then it continues. Let's just look at the men for now. Um, Daniel Wenjuru, he's a former, you know, World Marathon major winner. $60,000. Festus Talam, $30,000. Alphonse Simbo, who has a medal from world championships of Tanzania 28,000 so he gets 28,000 let's just find other guys around him Chris Thompson of Great Britain 27,000 uh, w- like why you know like yeah you, maybe you need a Brit but like 27,000 for Chris Thompson Scott Fable 28,000 um I can see you're gonna have to pay more for an American but like you're paying Fobble 28000 yet Jared Ward, this list, says got 25000 In my book, Jared Ward, he's had some really bad races recently prior to this one, but he was an Olympian, so I would expect him to get more than Fobble. It says Abdi 42000 Um, I could see that. You know, he's the top American last year in New York. Chris Derrick $21,000. Um, i am not sure why. This you really know sort of questions. Why would Derrick get less than Fobble? Like yeah, Derek's I don't know. More- Derek's way more credentialed on the track, and they both had run two twelve. So I'm not really buying that one either. Um, But a few thousand dollars here or there, you know. S- Scott Smith eighteen thousand. He's in the Hoka Naz Elite group as well. Makes sense that he would get less than Fable. Um, Ryan Vale twenty four thousand. That seems very high to me. What's he done recently? Um, and then yeah. Shadrack, the biggest one that I had a problem with was Shadrack Biwott nineteen thousand. Like the guy's been getting top ten in all these races. If this is the case. It, it, he's American. Um, if he was getting less, you know, I would say essentially like if this would number was true, I'd be like, you can ask, want to ask if that's racist or something because, or maybe because he's naturalized American, whatever you want to call it, because I would put, he deserves, uh, you know, more than I would say Scott Fobble, um just uh, in terms of performance alone.
0: For sure. I mean, yeah, he, he was third in Boston this year, fourth in Boston the year before and fifth in New York in 2016. Like he has, oh, more- well, wow. Even better top than five. I thought. I'm giving him top ten.
1: Those are top five at yeah. World Marathon Majors. He has more top so. five
0: at World Marathon Majors than you know Chris Thompson, Scott Fauble, Juan Luis Barrios, Jared Ward, you know, Chris Derrick, Scott Smith, Ryan Vale. None of those guys have ever finished top five. But it's got more, but he's got infinitely more because he has
1: three and they have zero. Yeah. Um so So and, and Shaddy, if you're listening to this and these these numbers are true, um, I don't know. You you need to renegotiate
0: yeah Um, and chris also chris thompson i mean yeah chris thompson twenty seven thousand. scott smith eighteen thousand. i mean chris thompson ran 228 in new york like mary and i guess you know obviously it was a bad day he's done some stuff on the track but i don't see and they do have to fill athlete quotas from certain countries um to you know retain their status as world marathon majors like a gold label race that sort of thing but you know i feel like that's still excessive for oh, 27000 for Chris Thompson. Yeah. Is, is, I assume, I haven't
1: even thought about that, if New York even cares about being an IAAF gold label race, but I assume they are. Like, I feel like races that play up the fact that they're gold, gold, gold label, they're not the top marathons in the world. Like, If you're New York or Boston, you just say we're New York or Boston, but they still may want the certification. Um, but a lot of times, like you'll see an American go run a race in Japan or something. And you're like, wait, why does this race want this American? And they need people from different continents, different countries to get, who have run a certain time to be certified as either IAAF gold level, gold label, or IAAF silver label. So it's interesting. I'd never thought of that angle. Like, yeah, maybe New York needs an European man. So they would have to do that. So, you know, it's worth a look. I feel like just to take a look at that thread. Yeah. Um, Yeah. that's all I had on my agenda John is there anything else we're missing or want to talk about actually I think we do have one final question who will be the next American man not named Galen Rupp to break 210 and when will it happen
0: yeah that's that's tough man I mean I think I think if Jared Ward decides to run like London in April he could do it you know if he stays fit or if you know some of these other guys like if Leonard Correa debuts in the marathon I think he could do it Scott Fobel, if you put him in London, maybe, uh, Shadrach B. Watt, same thing. But the thing is, all these guys usually run Boston, you know, because Shadrach B. he knows that Boston's more suited to him. He's going to have a better chance at winning or finishing high than London. So that's that's really the question. I, I think it might – I'm going to say Jared Ward, but I'm going to say he doesn't do it until the 2020 uh, Olympic trials. Um, because I think these guys, you know, a lot of them will probably skip a full marathon in 2019, and I don't see many of these guys going to London to chase a fast t- time. Maybe, but that's something that they might wait for until after the Olympics. So, yeah, I, my, that's my call. Jared Ward, 2020 Olympic trials, he will be sub two ten.
1: Wow, you think the trials race will go sub two ten?
0: Well, I think you look at Houston in 20, 2012. You know, you get enough, good enough enough good guys in that field. Four Americans broke two two ten in that race. Um, which is, might be one of the most, it's certainly in the recent years, that's one of the most ever. Um, and I think people are talking like the Atlanta course, it could be, certainly someone in New York was like, hey, that might happen in Atlanta, you know, it could go fast, they could get it done. And especially, you know, we this is a whole different tangent, but if these people need to, you know, based on the selection criteria that this new IAF World Ranking System they might. It might be benefit beneficial to them for New York for Atlanta to go fast for people to be running sub two ten. I don't know exactly how that's going to factor in, but I do think you know if someone gets the pace going in Atlanta, and that's the big question. You know, I think it could definitely happen because it's not going to be as hot as it was in Los Angeles in twenty sixteen.
1: Yeah, that's the problem, John. See, you, you knew stats. I had no idea how many guys went under um, two ten in Houston. You know, but I guess it, I'm just shocked that it just shows what Americans can do in the right race and the right type of race. And maybe they don't all get together in sort of that type of race, but there's no rabbits at the trial. So it's, it is kind of interesting that, I don't know, but it shows also that's what they're focusing on. So I don't know. Yeah, it's very, oh, if we don't see. So you haven't I,
0: given an answer here, Walden. What's your pick? Who, who and what? Sub 210, like a 209. That's, that's the definition.
1: Uh, man so ritz is probably going to run boston i could see i'm just want the guys with the engines to do it like uh, you know i feel like the this was t- the guy i was talking to after the 5k on saturday was dathan Ritzenhain, who has done the sub 210 um he's done 207 correct john yeah and he was saying like his belief is you need a, a big engine to uh, go sub sub 210 and you need guys who are still doing it on the track to try to do it. So I don't know. He's getting old and I'm just trying to think of some of these young guys, like a Chris Derrick I would thought, but he was, you know, he's 10th and 213 here in New York. Like these other, all these other guys are beating him. You know, you're right. If it doesn't happen in the spring, it's not happening until the trials. So and I don't think it's happening in
0: the spring. I mean, how many of these guys are going to go to Tokyo or, or London to chase that time when they know they can get more appearance fees and finish higher in Boston. I just don't see them abandoning None. Boston for that.
1: Maybe Fobble, which tr- Hoka guys would try, if for some reason they decide a fast time is worth more than going to running a New York, like how does the New York course, I mean, excuse me, the Boston course help you for the trials. Um, so if one of the, if he went to like a Tokyo or something, Tokyo's actually not that far away. So that may be too soon, but like, I don't know one of those European marathons that could happen. I'm mean, either saying none or I'm saying Dathan Ritzenhain Boston Marathon.
0: Ritz. Really? I mean, that guy I I again, he's super talented, but he's 35 years old. He he hasn't when's the last time? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm looking this up, Weldon. Can you tell me the last time he finished a marathon? Say that again. When is the last time Dathan Ritzenhain finished a marathon?
1: Oh god. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> What's the answer?
0: Uh the spring of 2015, he ran 2.11 to finish 7th in Boston. The last time he broke 2.10 was October 2013. He ran 2.45 in Chicago. Okay. I,
1: I apologize to everyone for saying it would be Dathan um You know, if we get a big tailwind in Boston, some guys could do it. God, we just, you know, we got four in the top 10. People are very excited, and I'm just like, we need... I want a bunch of guys. I want at least like Japanese guys. You know, at least those guys are dropping 207s, 208s, 206s, uh, two hundred five now. Um, but, and I'm still thinking in, you know, Berlin or something type race, they're going to get crushed. But they've at least bridged that gra- gap. So, I don't know. Maybe we need a $1 million bonus. John, can you put it up?
0: Uh, Oh, you'd have to bump my salary a little bit. But, uh, yeah, maybe get back to me.
1: Yeah, in case you guys didn't know, Japan offered a 1 million close to 1 million dollar bonus to people who broke the Japanese record in the marathon this year. Anyone who broke it.
0: And it's and happened it's twice.
1: Been, it's been broken twice.
0: After it's, it it had stood it was set in 2002. And I think this bonus was introduced maybe a couple maybe 2016 or 2017. It might have been 2015, but clearly like you know, it's had an effect because after standing for 16 years, it was broken twice in the span of, you know, uh, six months
1: Yep, pretty crazy all right john you got any pi- any parting thoughts
0: no i think it's time you know ncaa cross country is right around the corner i think it's time to shift from full marathon season to uh, ncaa cross so that's i think the part you know, new york was fantastic great weekend i did get a little sick it seems like happens when i ride the subway too much but yeah two fantastic races in new york uh some Definitely some encouraging signs for Americans. I know we sounded a little bit down on the men at some points, but I do think for Ward and fullball definitely have to be impressed by how they ran and some of the other guys. You know, they want yeah. that I mean, far off. Right
1: with it, didn't use yeah. too far behind them.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, you got to give them credit for that too. So, you do
1: th- to be a good distance runner, you don't get good overnight, and to be a good marathoning nation, you don't get good overnight. It was definitely a step in the right direction, but like, let's not by any means pretend you know American men's marathoning has arrived or it's we got such a long way to go but yeah. that means you you get up the next morning you put one foot in front of the other and keep going at it oh we need sponsors let's see let's run.com better shoe site guys let's run.com slash shoes you can buy some shoes there Normatech, they've been advertising let there's now a holiday special it's a recovery massage device and if anybody wants to go train in peru or kenya i highly recommend going to kenya um strive trips all these people are advertising on let right now and we thank them for the support and we started with the w- john anderson's w- women's call of the race we'll end with the men's call hopefully this is at the right spot but here it is john anderson of espn2 with the end of the men's race at the 2018 tcs new york city marathon as they
2: come down They've gone through Staten Island, they have gone through Brooklyn, they've gone through the Queens, the Bronx, the Manhattan. Now they're going through Central Park and it's a race to see who can get to the history books.
0: DeCisa looks composed.
2: I don't know. I think DeCisa has held him off. Wow. Lalisa DeCisa to go with Boston titles, to go with podium finishes here in New York City. There's a man that knows that he is gonna be a champion. Lalisa de Cisa, TCS New York City Marathon Champion for twenty eighteen.